Welcome to the Soul to Scene podcast, episode 12. And as you can hear, I'm on the road. Not with the usual guys today, but I'm here today with uh, Mark McCall from the EV Association Northern Ireland. Mark, very welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Uh, we are in a Tesla Model 3 performance, cruising around the Ards Peninsula. And if you want to know more about the car we're in, Hopefully by this stage there will be a video review on YouTube and there'll be a post on rmsmotoring.com. You can read all about the car and listen to what Mark and I think about it. Mark's uh, previous Tesla Model 3 owner, so that's well worth um, checking out. But the reason for today's show is actually more. I want to talk about actual EV ownership. I'm not an EV owner per se. Uh, you have been for several years, Mark, and you've had many many of the cars, and you've also set up uh, the the owners association and know a lot about the infrastructure and the challenges that people face when they actually want to buy an EV. But t- look, tell us a bit about your own about your own EV ownership and sure. and, and and why it appealed to you in the first yeah. place. Because there's plenty of uh, naysayers out there who think that. Uh, the fossil fuels are the only way to go. Yeah, well, I guess I was an ACR as well. It's important to say my first EV I drove was uh, an A3 in 2013 down at Bavarian whenever they launched that car. and Which is the sort of typical, what I would consider, the white goods looking yeah. uh, <laughs> EV. Quirky, quirky was, was used a lot in, in the review of that car. But, you know, I went there with a lot of preconceptions and some of them were borne out, but others weren't, I guess. And I came away, whether I knew it or not, I sort of, came away there subconsciously realising that this was the future um, I guess like a lot of people um, I, I was quite sceptical um, you know who's ever going to drive these things uh, sure we're just going to move the, the tailpipe emissions to the power stations all these things that when you look into them actually aren't true Back in 2013 had they decided that they were killing uh, internal combustion seals no, at that stage? No, no I don't think so and I think you know it's only recently even in the last year maybe that people are starting to realise that this is finally a one way street you know this is this is happening you know it was very much up in the air 20, 13, 9 years ago um, but uh, I think you would uh, you would struggle to find someone now who, who can't see that EVs are, are going to be the future yeah well they're, they're being forced upon us I suppose uh, whether we want it or not and uh, has what what's changed is, has that changed people's attitudes? Is it well? What we've been experiencing now at the moment is the, the cost of fuel going through the roof. Yeah, there, there's certainly a, a sort of negative vibe from some quarters on on the EV thing, and I guess that the fact that people are being forced into that is possibly a reason for some of that negativity. I think it is anyway. And people, p- part of that, sorry to interrupt you, is is, is probably as well. Okay, we have to go this way, but. I can't charge at home, or I do too many miles, and all yep. these sorts of I can, things. I, I, I tow a caravan to Slago every day, and all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, like yeah, that's the yeah. thing. They don't. Yeah. Tow, you see, I mean, I think we should just do away with caravans, <laughs> and then it's one <laughs> less go. thing to worry about. <laughs> Absolutely. No, so I mean, there, there are there are plenty of questions still, you know, um, but but a lot of things have been answered. Um, and I think uh, as people, what we really need to do is get people behind the wheel of EVs. You know, there's so much FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt spread still. Big Oil obviously has been doing that for years, uh, trying to keep this whole thing down. Um, but uh, could you get a better car than this thing we're in today? And it's an absolute beast of a thing. You know, 
the, the early electric vehicles, the milk float sort of thing, and the gee whiz and, and, and all that. I mean, it's not reality now. Um, and we've got a nice Morgan passing with her. Um, so I, I think the best thing we do is for everyone to, to get behind the wheel of one of these things and give it a try. Uh, absolutely. Like it's, it, it is a real bit of a change in, in thought process. Uh, okay, so there's... <laughs> so yes, we just experienced coming up the... Uh, uh, there's a big hill out of Newton Arch, the Yule Carriageway, and I just I just gunned it, obviously, to the speed limit <laughs> um, very carefully. And... Uh, it's that's, brutal. That's the Model 3 performance. It's 60 and 3.1 seconds, and um, it is just that instant torque is fantastic. But you have to get someone into an EV to appreciate that, but there's plenty of subjective things going around people's minds, I, I think, that could put them off. So, uh, you know, the uh, range anxiety, where yeah. am I going to charge it? Even even the, the cost of buying one, yeah. you know... A, and yeah, you're right. There are, there are still there are still plenty of issues, uh, and that's probably you know why why we formed EVANI um, was formed with with two uh, goals in mind. One was to promote EVs, and the other was to look after the interests of their users. So, promoting EVs has had to take a bit of a backseat in 2021, as we've really just spent all our time trying to raise awareness around the difficulties of public charging in Northern Ireland. That, that is the, the, the real uh, problem with things here at the moment. And you mentioned range anxiety, which was a phrase that we heard a lot of in the early days of EVs, but most of our members would now talk about charger anxiety rather than range anxiety. Yeah. There's no problem with a car doing the miles. Um, you know, plenty of 200-mile cars. Uh, most of, I think the average journey in Northern Ireland is something like 13 miles a day. Obviously, we do have to travel then uh, certain days, um, and whether we're going to Dublin or Enniskillen or wherever it is, you want to be able to find a rapid charger to do that quick 15-20 minute charge to get you home, and that's the, the bit that's really sort of sorely lacking here. Well, let's take the the, uh, the Model Three run. Okay, so it's a bad example because it's it's the top of the the Model Three range and it's got the big batteries and stuff like that. But uh, I left the house with 250 miles range, so it was about 80 percent battery and. Came and picked you up. We've we've done about 100 miles, and it's still 100 and 153 miles uh, left to go. And we will comfortably do that, and then go home and charge it. Yeah. Uh, so, provided I think you can charge at home, and the fact that most EVs now have that 200 plus mile range yep. surely kills that kills that conversation. But because as well. It's like your mobile phone, isn't it? You it just is. you, you have to come. You come home. You put it on the charger yep. at night, and actually, then you're you're using the car at it's 80, 90 percent battery every time you step into yep. it in the morning. Exactly. I mean, some people have read. Some people say, "How long does it take to charge your electric vehicle?" And some people say it takes me ten seconds because that's how long it takes me to plug it in at night when I when I arrive mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, it charges when I'm asleep, and I wake up every morning with a, with a full tank in air quotes. Um, so. Unlike a, a piston car, where few of us, I would say, have a, a, a petrol station at home, everyone, well, everyone apart from a third of the population, which is a whole other problem, around 33% is the best figure we can arrive at of houses in Northern Ireland do not have off-street parking. So for them, there, there's a huge issue there because they can't charge at home currently. Um, so... But if you, if you can charge at home, if you do have off-street parking, then it's uh, it's pretty easy. Yeah. And look, there is, uh, let's make no bones about it, there is a barrier to entry, even the cost of these vehicles. Like most, what 
the cheapest electric car in the market is probably the the MG8 early 20 20,000s and the average is probably closer to 40 grand yeah definitely um, the, the purchase price is the other uh, issue at the moment um, outside public charging but again you know who who goes into any car dealership at the minute and, and pays the 20 30 or 40,000 everyone's leasing a car or most people are leasing a car and um, so it's more about the monthly um, and whenever you start to look at the monthly cost and you take the, the cost of fuel out of it or certainly reduce it massively then uh, quite often the, the overall sort of cost of ownership within the lifetime of, of the vehicle uh, is on parity or, or even less and they reckon that uh, purchase prices are going to be uh, similar to ICE vehicles by around 2027 I think is the latest figure to read. And I would, although unfortunately probably the way things are going the price of an internal combustion car will just increase to match the price yeah. of the electric vehicle rather than Probably. the electric vehicle getting uh, getting any any cheaper. Yeah, as, as I said, just to give an example of the running costs as well earlier on, um, 8,000 miles a year in our Model 3, uh, which averaged 3.6 miles per kilowatt hour. If, you, if you've got an economy 7 rate at home for cheap electricity overnight, that comes out to around £275. For your eight thousand miles, for your for, for your years driving. years driving, yeah, which could be what is that twelve fifteen hundred quid of diesel? Yeah, exactly. So you know, if you take the, that off your your price of the of your monthly on the lease or whatever while you're buying the car, then that's significant. Yeah. So and um, I made the joke uh, earlier about this. It is a bit of a spreadsheet exercise. Yeah. And and it, it's funny people people think that they when they look at EVs or car ownership in general that they are the most objective. And that they will they will uh, analyze every uh, small thing about ownership. So, and um, to give an, a, a real life example of that, I've had this Tesla for for a week now um, as part of the uh, review, and a family friend had wanted to come around to talk about. They were thinking about buying their first electric car, and we were standing in the garage and we were talking about this and that and the finish of the car and. Do I need to get a home charger and all these sort of various yeah. things, and then and then they get in. It's like oh, there's no buttons and all the rest. And then five minutes on the road, I need to have one. Yeah. And and the the objectivity goes out yeah. the window when actually you think well, one, one pedal driving exactly. or it's so smooth and so quiet or or the instant torque and there's yes there's so, sorry we're out, we're outside the Ulster Hospital here and. Uh, that's that's not someone coming for us because <laughs> we've decided to use launch control in the middle of uh, the town. So yeah, so it is possible to have a bit of lust for an EV as well, you know, which is something that I, mean, I didn't think of either, probably in the early days. And, and Tesla obviously is is one of the uh, the biggest proponents of that. You know, they're the guys that have made cars like this that are, uh, I, I would say, uh, appealing to to petrol heads or former petrol heads. You know, there's a, there's an awful lot of excitement about driving this car. And I think, but I think as a car enthusiast, I wouldn't consider this the same type of car as uh, as my Porsche. I would see this more as a product, and as a product for A to B or daily driving or fitting into someone's life. Mm-hmm. An EV makes a lot of sense because you just get in and go. You don't have to wait for it to warm up, and um, the technology that's in the car just makes life so much easier. The fact you can just lift your phone and say, "Right." Yeah. put the heater on and I can just get in 
and the car's sitting nice and warm. Yeah. Just very, very simple things like that that uh, just make an EV so yeah. easy to live with. I probably wouldn't think of this one as a product, to be honest. I, uh, our leaf, probably, I would, especially our first, the white leaf used to call the fridge. You know, it was a bit like an appliance. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of uh, excitement about this car. Um, and for me, it, it's it's a level above that, that sort of product feeling. But you're coming from a high base uh, yeah. D- don't forget this. You know, as I say, the GT4. We're not all lucky enough to. Uh, do, you, do you know, do you know what? The, the Model Three is act- actually uh, is the, probably the best driving uh, EV that I've, I've driven. Agreed. It's manners on a, on a B road or something like that. It, yeah. it is very enjoyable actually yeah. to to drive. You just you just miss miss rolling your own gears and that and the noise and the noise, which but, yeah, is for our generation. I think is 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 never going to be solved. You know that that's something that we've missed. But you know, look look at what we've gained. So it's kind of ironic that we were talking about uh, battery anxiety and yeah. the battery in the GoPro died, and it was nothing to do with the siren that. Uh, the Ulster Hospitals were now in this is the Belfast City Centre just cruising through do you know what it's probably not a bad thing to talk about uh, public the public charge, charging yep. infrastructure or lag off lag off so uh, figures we're, we're, we've got a lot of figures to quote and they help give you an idea of how bad things are here. There's two types of charger, two main types of charger. There's the destination chargers, which are AC. Those are the ones you see on the street and in a car park, you know, and Dobby's there in Lisburn, for example. And then you mean, uh, so that sounds to me like, does that mean slow? Slower, yes, 22 kilowatt. Um, to get in the weeds a bit, the, the charger is actually in the car. Um, for AC charging so mm-hmm. th- this car for example uh, if it's the same as mine does 11 kilowatts on AC mm-hmm. so it takes the AC in the charger and the car converts it to DC at up to 11 kilowatts and charges your battery and, and in layman's terms is that like 25 miles an hour charging 30 miles an hour that type so of thing so if you take roughly 3.5 miles we'll say 4 miles per kilowatt hour um, just to make it easy to calculate so 4 11s is 44 miles an hour mm-hmm. let's say around 40 miles an hour roughly so if, if you have it on for 15 minutes you're getting about 10 miles a charge yeah. something very very yes. broad strokes but it gives you an idea if, if you went for a quick charge it's not going to get you very far yes so there are as, as I talk about destination charges it's somewhere at a shopping centre or a cinema or somewhere where you want to be for several hours generally or shopping, whatever, an hour, an hour, an hour or two. Um, so we have 160 sites with those type of chargers in Northern Ireland. Each site has got uh, two as a double-headed charger. Frustratingly, a lot of those sites only have got one space painted green. Um, so that's one of the things we're working with councils at the moment, trying to get both sides uh, spaces painted green. Because for, for works van to park over both of them? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Super frustrating. So that, that's you talk about 160 times two chargers, 320 of those destination chargers. This is all the ESB network I'm talking about, which is the the vast majority of public chargers in Northern Ireland. Then the rapid chargers are the ones that possibly more, more people are interested in. They're the ones we talked about earlier. If you're going to Dublin or in a skill today and you want a quick 20 minute charge to get you home, you need a rapid charger. These are DC then. These are DC, and uh, there are 17 in Northern Ireland on the ESB network. Um, absolutely pathetic absolutely pathetic and also um, at any one time around half of them are out of order so it's even worse than that so Dundee which is a shining light in Scotland um, council there is very pro EV there are more rapid chargers in the town of Dundee with 150,000 people than there are in the whole of Northern Ireland that's mad 
Mass Man. And we're, we're back. We're just driving past the back of City Hall here at the moment. Where where would my closest uh, AC slow charger and fast charger be around here? Like where? So Ad- Adelaide Street, which we're, we're just passing, I think. Okay, so the nearest charger is Adelaide Street. So that's on street. Yes, that's an AC on street charger, and the, the nearest rapid DC then would be probably uh, Shane Retail Park in the Boucher Road. Okay. And that and that's your lot. Is it? Yeah, so around Belfast, there, there's another uh, rapid, uh, popular one near the Shore Road, um, which is, uh, has been out of service for a long time. I think, you know, one of the things we're, we're um, talking to DFI a lot, obviously, um, the Department for Infrastructure have a lot to do with this, and uh, they commissioned some research, which came out just at the end of last year, that showed that Northern Ireland needs a thousand rapid chargers by 2025. <laughs> so that's that's the situation where you know we, we need to be installing something like thirty chargers a month from now to twenty twenty five to get us there. Um, the, there are three projects that are live at the moment. Um, first of all, the ESB have committed to replace all the chargers in Northern Ireland. So all the old hardware that's already out there is all most of it's approaching ten years old and uh, past its sell by date. So. They've said they're going to replace everything that exists, and on top of that, they're going to add five rapid charging hubs. Mm-hmm. So those are sites where there will be more than one rapid charger. Um, that could be two, that could be three. We don't really five know. Five is pathetic, though, isn't it? Well, th- this is the thing. That, that, you know, but th- that's that's the first project to mention. Another other project is uh, EasyGo, who are uh, on the island um, and, and a lot of different sites, and they have committed to put fifty to seventy rapid chargers in Northern Ireland over the next couple of years. Okay. And then there's a third project which is some uh, DFI money and some EU funding called the Faster Project um, and that's going to bring around 24 rapid chargers to Northern Ireland. So we're going to go from 17 to 20 to maybe 120 in the next 18 24 months. But it's still only 10-15% of what we actually need. Exactly. If if this DFI research says that we need a thousand then you know that's it's going to be 500% more than we have today, but it's going to be a tenth of what we need. It's an absolute joke, and I take it, am I right in saying there is actually funding that the executive can apply for to put, put more infrastructure in? There is actually money there if, so if there was will? Th- there's this thing called the Orcs Grant, the on-street residential charging scheme, which is a OZEV, the, uh, the Office for Zero Emission Vehicles, has 20 million in a pot which to date no council in Northern Ireland has applied for any of that money. This is one of the other things we've been pushing on last year. Um, All our 11 councils have now come together in in a consortium and they tell us that they are going to apply for some of this funding before the new financial year, so that should be by by March this year. Okay. Um, But that is a very specific grant. It it has to be near residential areas with no off-street parking. Mm -hmm. So it's either on street or in car parks near those residential areas. So it's also all AC uh, charging. So okay. it's the sort of charging that you're going to be doing overnight, not not these rapid chargers. Okay. So it's so it's still not. And is there what about on the DC side? Is, I thought there was a much larger pot for more substantial. Is it public works? Maybe there's not. Maybe there's there's nothing there at the moment. It, it's it, it's really down to our assembly. We would say if you look at uh, Scotland, they they uh, told us that they've spent around forty five million to date on their uh, charging infrastructure, and just last week they announced sixty million additional. So a hundred million is going to be spent in Scotland. Mm-hmm. We can find. Uh, two pots of money that were spent by the assembly and they add up to about 800,000 here 
and that's all, all that we can find. Absolutely pathetic. There's one figure that, that we quote often as well, and it, it, it comes out every uh, every quarter. It's a combination of uh, ZapMap's work uh, and uh, the Department for Transport, and it shows, it, it's a good, um, fair way of showing things because it's per 100,000 of population, so it takes into account, obviously England, Scotland, Wales are bigger than here, but per 100,000 population, the UK average for rapid chargers is 7.7. So 7.7 rapid chargers for per 100,000 population. Mm-hmm. In Scotland, that figure is 12.9, I think. 12 chargers. In Northern Ireland, uh-huh. that figure is 1.2. Ah, just We're a seventh, grim. You know, or a sixth or a seventh of the, of the uh, UK average, and we're about a twelfth of what, what's going on in Scotland. So we really are the pure relation here. But I think we've raised the profile of, of this problem massively last year. You know, a lot of our members have got in touch with their MLAs and their councillors. And uh, if, if, if you look at the assembly questions that are being asked on EV infrastructure, uh, you'll see that the, the profile has been raised massively now. So it's a shout from the rooftop jobs. You need to, need to rattle, rattle the sabers and get these guys to actually take a bit of action. Exactly. And now we're staring down the barrel of, a, of an election here, you know, so um, that, that's going to disrupt things as well. Um, but we're, we are hopeful that the uh, this uh, task force that we're sitting on, the, the EV task force, We'll be able to make the proper recommendations, but it, it all depends on the funding coming forward then. But, you know, here we are. I think that the figures for the UK for December were 26% of new car sales were full battery electric. So more than one in four new car sales in December in the UK were full battery. Well, to, so, give, to give that a bit of context, we're just driving along uh, Boucher Road at the moment. We've just passed uh, the very nondescript uh, Tesla uh, showroom, but the pressure is on these guys now because Tesla's here and all the rest to, to deliver yeah. electric cars and that's and that's what people are now asking for so but that's part of it too people think well I want to buy an electric car but I need to have the facilities behind me exactly. to run it and yeah. if you're saying a third of people don't even have access to yes on off street parking then it's so those, those people if, if there's two ways you know of doing that if you live in an apartment you either need to get something in, in your apartment car park or you're, if you're in a terrace house you need something in the own street. The other the other alternative is to have a charging hub nearby, a rapid charging hub, somewhere where you can go a bit like a fuel station where you can go for 20 minutes once a week or twice a week or whatever it is you need but we don't have that either. And the problem this has created at the moment as well is the growing so I'm sure you have great stats on the on the sales of electric cars and how they're growing in Northern Ireland I'm sure they're growing at a substantial rate but we've so few chargers at the same time we have people who will go and hog the chargers is it, is it right that there's no there's no time limit on our chargers and there's no charge no the, the chargers are free and, and that's the, the the big issue at the moment um, so we're just, we're just passing the Shane retail park where there is that uh, uh, the, rapid the, the rapid charger yeah so there's no incentive for people to move on. Um, we, we've been asking ESB to turn on pay to charge. Most of our members, over 90% of our members, agree that uh, we need pay to charge to be turned on here. And once that's there, then there's overstay fees at, at the rapid chargers anyway, not at, not at the uh, destinations, unfortunately. But uh, you have 45 minutes to charge and move on. Otherwise, I think it's around a five euro uh, fine at the minute in, in, uh, in the south. So this, this is to stop people filling up their thermoses and yes. going, and, <laughs> going and sitting in a, an AC charging point all day. Exactly. Because uh, despite the fact that they spent forty-two grand on a Model Three, they're too miserable to charge exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, to pay the three pound or whatever it is to fill it. Yeah, exactly. Unreal. Unreal. Well, uh, that's that is a, 
a big hurdle for anyone probably listening to the podcast and saying, well, uh, you know, the, the charging thing, the public side of things is, is an issue. But if you're lucky enough to be able to charge at home or work on like anything else, a hundred, a three hundred mile range or two hundred mile range, it'll get you to most places in Northern Ireland and back. Yeah, talking to um, so, some of the the largest car retailers uh, in Northern Ireland, you know, one one of them said us that quite often customer comes in and they want to be able to do Dublin Airport and back home without stopping to charge. You know that that that's around two hundred miles for many of the guests in this part yes. of the world. Um, so that that seems to be a figure that, that a lot of people are, are happy with. There, there, there actually is quite good charging in Castle Bellingham there, just over the border. So you know, again, like a, a fifteen minute stop, even in a smaller range car, will will get you home. And the, and the, they're super. T- uh, for example, Tesla. Just because I'm I'm driving at the moment, uh, one they have superchargers in the south. Yes, so there's, I think it's five sites, maybe six Sandyfords coming on in the south. Um, we, we drove around all of them this summer, just what we took the, the Model 3 down to Conceal, uh, down below Cork, um, and we, we stopped at all the supercharger sites. Northern Ireland does not have a single supercharger. About four years ago, Lisburn appeared on the map as coming soon. <laughs> uh, then that changed to Belfast. Um, it was coming quarter three last year, now it's quarter four, and there's still no sign of it. And it's very frustrating and in fairness to Tesla there are big issues on the voucher road where they want to uh, put their supercharger mm-hmm. um, at, at, at their store there um, but I mean they're bound to be able to find somewhere in Northern Ireland where there is ample power and I think you know it's time times past really where they should have had a supercharger by now we're the only part of the UK where there is no superchargers in the can, UK and Ireland can the, what about the grid and the actual the infrastructure and NIE and all the rest so can, they, can they do it? That is the issue that, that's what's holding up the Boucher Road and indeed you know Charles Hurst and other car dealerships on the Boucher Road are all waiting to install more rapid chargers but there isn't the grid capacity there so you've got to install a substation and that involves leasing land and uh, like 28 week uh, notice for roadworks and all these different laws and things so you know, none of these things happen overnight and there's a massive issue in Northern Ireland with grid capacity. Um, we talked to GridServe as another company. If you look online, you can see there's a massive new, um, it's like a, an EV filling station in Braintree in Essex from this company, GridServe. Mm-hmm. And they were over in Lisbon and gave a presentation, I think it was 2019. And they said there that their modeling software um, was looking for sites where there were a high volume of traffic passing in a day and also uh, high grid capacity mm-hmm. and they were struggling to find where those two things overlapped uh-huh. so there's an awful lot of work required to uh, our infrastructure in Northern Ireland and uh, Northern Ireland electricity networks ha- have a lot of work to do there but they're being held up somewhat um, by our utility regulator as well there, there's a lot of um, regulations around Northern Ireland uh, which mean our, our utility regulator has never been given decarbonisation as one of their remit. So they don't care? So, yeah, well, by law, they, they can't really make these changes. So, in fairness to the utility regulator, they need uh, to have this added to the remit as it is in, in GB mm-hmm. and in the south uh, so that they can consider these other things and then make the changes that we require. But, you know, we're in this position where we're, we're reacting. You know, we're, we've got the stage where one in four new cars being sold is battery electric mm-hmm. and we're still talking about this stuff. You know, Scotland and England and, uh, and Ireland, everyone's moving ahead. We're we're 
far, far too slow, far too reactionary, and not enough planning. You know, our assembly has failed to plan. Never mind execute on this stuff. Yeah, you know, it, it's all it's all happening uh, despite them, and it's there are queues at, at rapid chargers at the moment, um, and things are just going to get much much worse in the short term. Yeah, because consumer demand now is well. We want to buy electric cars. We said that the uh, the likes of this, the Model Three, is outselling the Three Series and that, that yep. type of stuff. Um, that, but all sorts of EVs are are hitting the roads, and and people will just have to stamp their feet. And and, and, and indeed, the dealerships will tell us that their bonuses are are uh, being squeezed more and more towards EV. I mean, they have to sell more EVs as a proportion of what's going out the door. Yeah, you know so. That and the 2030 and the 2035 deadlines and all these things are accelerating the demand for EV. The, the big changes, the benefit and kind changes that you talked about earlier, earlier on, the, the salary sacrifice that's making it affordable for company car drivers, more affordable. But yet we're not backing that up with the infrastructure. Yeah. Well, look, we're, we're maybe being quite uh, uh, negative, but, but pragmatic about, about EV ownership. So that's a, a good point to mention how you actually get into these because EVs are uh, expensive, 30, 40,000 pound plus. Uh, although that's not how people buy cars generally, and it hasn't been for a long time. People buy it based on the monthly cost, and it yep. still is a bit of a spreadsheet exercise that I call it that people have to think about. Well, a monthly cost of a Say an ordinary Model Three is about five hundred pounds a month. Five hundred pounds a month is a pretty good number to say you'll get a the base Mac E or the Tesla or the uh, Ionic Five or sure. something like that for that that sort of money per month. But six grand a year, it's a lot of cash for something you can hand back after three years. It is, and we're lacking that second hand market. I think uh, you know, and probably. I would imagine part of the government's thinking on this whole big thing is that that's going to get a lot of EVs on the road, uh, that which will in two or three years' time then start to, to feed into that that used car market. Used cars, as, as we all know, are you know the, the values are going up uh, at the minute and things are getting tougher. But um, Darren, who started EVA and I with me, his daughter went to England and brought back a six grand Nissan Leaf uh, yeah. there a few months ago, um, and that's. Probably realistically, a starting price now for a, you know, an, an EV that you'd want. That's a twenty-four kilowatt hour with and, a seventy mile range. Oh yeah. So I was going to say the problem with that is the winter range is terrible. So yeah. it, it it's not only okay. It seems like it's cheap up front, but it's it's buy cheap and maybe buy twice because the range, unless you're willing to put up with a, a terrible range yeah. in the winter time of maybe fifty or sixty miles and have a lot of range yeah. anxiety. It's probably not a good endorsement of how EVs uh, are now because most of them do have the new ones have yeah. two hundred plus miles range um, comfortably. Yeah. But even to talk about uh, we talk about big, this is benefit in kind. So this is this is specifically for company car schemes. So um, you can get this through the NHS, probably the civil service, and and some other private companies own it. But that's that's only if your company offers it correct me if I'm wrong, but I've sort of done rough calculations on, say, our £500 a month. You don't, you can get that salary sacrifice taken out before the tax is applied yes. to your pay. So if you're a 20% taxpayer, you'll save £100 a month yeah. on on that because you're not paying the tax on that £500. 
and you don't pay, you only pay half the VAT as well. Yes. So I think if you're a higher rate taxpayer, it, it's it's certainly very beneficial if you're a company car driver. I'm not, um, but definitely, you know, talking to the people, guys saying, you know, it's like I've given myself a two or three grand pay rise, you know, by, by moving to an EV. Yes. Uh, you know, so it seems to be a no-brainer for some people. And it, it's, yes, you have to take into account your tax savings and then obviously fuel savings are massive so you could save um, comfortably save a thousand fifteen hundred pound a year on a sort of twelve thousand mile a year type driving and if you're able to charge at work you know it's another big benefit yeah so so in other words if you're if you're used to driving something uh diesel and it's say costing you three three hundred and fifty quid a month as a company car moving to an ev at five hundred pounds a month May save you exactly. Yeah, you've got to you've got to take into consideration that hundred or hundred and fifty pound of diesel you've been in a month as well, yep. um, and, and that makes a big difference. Plus the maintenance. I mean, I had, I had the Model Three for two and a half years, and I, there was there was no maintenance. We, we're talking to uh, some of the guys in the in the Dublin. I mean, we said before there, you know, with the brake pad situation where. 300,000 kilometres on the original brakes so that's, that's just incredible very little to do with them and you were saying about maintenance but there's actually from a mechanical perspective because there's a lot less moving parts there's a lot less to go wrong exactly yeah so provided that the uh, the internal systems the infotainment and stuff like that are reliable which generally nowadays reliability of those systems are very good you think if your mobile phone or whatever yep. else and the last time it let you down and you sort of see the same type of design principles and longevity of of product. Kind of hope that that's going to survive. So you don't have the same issues like you'd have with uh, your turbo going, diesel particulate filter, all those sort of exactly. uh, those expensive costs that clutch exhaust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So all those sorts of things that could catch up with you. And when you do your spreadsheet exercise and step back and say, well, actually, this five year old uh, diesel car, this yeah. three series, whatever. Is actually starting to cost me a significant amount over and above. Um, exactly. So, did your Tesla? Did it have to go back to Tesla at all in your two and a half years? Did I, you have it? I did have one issue where um, the cars got built in uh, LTE connection, a 4G connection, and it would often lose that even in strong signal uh, sort of areas, and they replaced the connectivity chip okay. or board or whatever. And so, yeah, it had a return for that. What What about um, and? We can talk more generally about other manufacturers, but again, because I have a big T in front of me. Um, what about drivetrain warranty on this car, uh, the battery warranty? What, what do Tesla cover so, there? Eight years, um, most of them are eight years, and I think that's a good point you raise that on the battery. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty as well around batteries at the start. Whenever I test drove that A3 back in the day, they, they pretty much refused to sell them. Uh, they weren't sure of residuals mm-hmm. and they weren't sure how the battery would perform so they, they almost forced you into a lease um, but in the early days of, of Nissan and Renault you used to lease your battery separately yeah. as well because there was that worry of what happens if the battery dies or a battery is 10,000 good or whatever so more or less to, to put people's mind at rest you leased your battery so if there ever was an issue you knew it was just swapped out for you but that, that's no longer a thing because that, that didn't prove to be a problem Yeah, so it's it, from an ownership perspective, it should be a lot more relaxed. It should be should be very few trips to the dealership. Absolutely, yep. And uh, and I even think as well. Certainly, the Teslas I know of. There's a you know a couple of guys that most of the Tesla issues can be fixed at someone's house. 
rather than having to take it in somewhere. So yes, so there's a ranger. Uh, you can get a ranger visit, and whenever um, there was a Dublin uh, service centre and no Belfast one, then that, that happened quite a bit. Uh, the, the ranger would even come from Dublin. Uh, but yeah, and we have a leaf as well, uh, our second leaf now. You know, and that, that's, that's that's another one where we had. Uh, zero maintenance. It, it does get serviced. The, the Tesla actually doesn't get serviced, but the, the, the leaf gets serviced. But it's it's basically a brake check and a tire check and a and a fluid check. And there's, there's not really much involved. Yeah. So there's 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 little they can do, to the point where I sort of wonder that check. You know, is that is that a fifty quid job or are are Nissan trying to we need to do something to try and recoup all these service fees we're going to lose? Yeah. It's it's definitely uh, the the whole sort of. Uh, business model for a dealership you've got to wonder long term what happens there you know if you're buying your car online and it doesn't need service and what 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 happens long term and i'm sure that that is a, a worry for for dealers at the moment if if you were prepared to spend if you were go out and buy model 3 outright and say i am going to own that for for 10 years and that and that's a like a uh, something from my parents' generation yep. type of approach of buying a car and driving it until yep. it's until it's done. You would probably do very well out of it. You probably would. Yeah, I think your maintenance charge would be low, your annual running costs would be low. We've got zero road tax at the moment. Whether that stays or not is another thing. I think I think the road tax in the south is one hundred and twenty quid for 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 an EV. Um, and undoubtedly, a lot of these things are going to have to come. You know, whether we get fuel duty on electricity, for example, and whether we do pay road tax. But at the moment, you know, for the past five years, we've been enjoying, you know, uh, very low cost. Fuel. There is so there's there is a honeymoon period, ish. Yeah. If you're prepared to put up with the charging infrastructure issues, if you're fortunate enough to have a company car scheme, you could do yeah. salary sacrifice. And and actually, uh, that's where I actually think the the. The whole thing is stacked quite unfairly to uh, people that are are more more well off actually benefit from from it more, and uh, which which is a shame because it it hurts. You know, it means that at, just at this moment in time, they still EVs still aren't for yeah every man. I agree, and I think it's something that has to be tackled. There is a certain amount of new technology is expensive as well you know and if we think back to the mobile phone revolution mm-hmm. who was crying the mobile phones the businessmen you know none of us could afford the mobile phone yeah but what happens that that trickles down you know and, and as the volumes ramp up and, and those early adopters who pay the big bucks mm-hmm. then that, that trickles down to the rest of us so we, we, we all get a chance so um, but i think that that's coming and it's you know the second hand market like i say is going to come as well it's not there at the moment but all these things uh, are really dependent on, on the acceleration that's happening and, and getting that infrastructure behind it all so that there are no, there's no negativity. Some of the studies we've read you know, say that even the fact that people can see that there aren't chargers or see that there are broken chargers has a negative effect. Mm-hmm. You know, we are slightly behind here. That 26% for, for BEV sales in December in the UK was something like 19% in, in Northern Ireland. Okay. Um, so we are, we are lagging behind here. So we just need to keep the pressure on and make sure that these issues are there and people without off-street parking uh, have got somewhere to charge and that this isn't seen as a middle-class thing, as you say. Yeah, and, and yes, it needs to be embraced to make it better for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and from a driver's perspective, and um, taking the, taking the objectivity out of it all and the cost and all the rest, there is just something wonderful about having that instant thump of torque and just be able to yeah. swell past people. It's just it's addictive. It's absolutely um, 
addictive. And and a lot of the standard of vehicles that are being produced at the moment are very, very good. I haven't I haven't really driven an EV that I would say is terrible. Now maybe a first generation leaf a while ago, um I've just missed another turning. Um a first generation leaf a while ago is you know it was slow, the range wasn't great and it was more it was really early adopter, it was really right I'm buying something with compromises to get um to yep. be in with the new thing, whereas now, you know, you're you're buying this actually as something. It is it's a, it's now a, a luxury item, and and then it'll, it will become totally mainstream. I think you know even those lower lower range cars like the Leaf. You know, we would say we, we still have a Leaf, uh, particularly if you're a two car household. There's no reason probably why anyone shouldn't ha- shouldn't have an EV. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you need something longer, if you are genuinely driving to Dublin every other day, or you have something to do with work, travel, or whatever, you know the second car can can easily be an EV. At this stage, Mark and I were just about to finish the podcast, but earlier that day we'd actually reviewed the Model Three performance we were in for YouTube. But maybe you're not listening to this on YouTube right now and want to hear that review. Well, I've grabbed the audio and put it in here. So we're in the car and I'm here with uh, Mark McCall from EVANI, so that's electric, that's nothing to do with extravehicular activity. No, no, Electric Vehicle Association Northern Ireland. Yeah, and, and uh, Mark, you're a prior Tesla owner as well, you've had a Model 3 in the past, you had a Standard Range Plus car. Yes, Standard Range Plus, uh, June 2019, just sold it in uh, October 21. So you had a couple of years? Two and a half years nearly, yeah. And and you've been in the performance as well, so you know what, it, what yes. it's like? I suppose if we just been talking here about, we're just just grabbed uh, a coffee about the differences uh, over the years. So your standard range plus compared to this, so different interior. The uh, your car had the piano black. Yep, this is a facelift. Um, so d- different interior, um, some different door trims here, and center console probably is one of the biggest the biggest changes. I think there's a headlight redesign as well. So yeah, I, I was it matrix headlights or yep. something to put into it, but the. Um, I think I was watching a Carway video and they said they haven't got the software done for that. But again, the software could be done by now because the over-the-air updates yep. just seem to fire stuff in. Well, that's it. Whenever we got the car, um, you know, things like the the uh, dash cam system weren't there. You know, that just arrived as an over-the-air update. So uh, that's one of the big advantages. Obviously, people talk about the, the lack of buttons here, but the, the fact that everything's on the screen means they can make all these changes then, you know, and you can, you can add features pretty easily. Well, hopefully the camera behind us will pick it up, but... We now have this these three dots, so you can actually uh, you can actually drag and drop apps, which is very handy. So to pin them to the the bar at the bottom here, I think that's a new thing as well. Isn't yeah, it? so this version eleven, I didn't have this. Uh, I sold the cars say in October time, so this is uh, just coming December, I think. Um, mixed reviews, probably some things are better, some things aren't. I think you know we used to have the heated seat controls right here in the bottom. Now you've got to go into climate control you to hit the do that. So climate button and then pick pick my seat here to yep. to heat it. But I think Uncle Elon has taken on board the criticism and he's going to make a few changes, you know, so you'll, you'll see those things sorted out over the, the months ahead. And he's put, I love a heated steering wheel, and I've, I've went on and on and on about the heated steering wheel in the Maggie, but uh, that's one of the other f- uh, facelift, we call it facelift, yeah. it's not that iterative, iterative changes that uh, these guys have put in. But look, we'll, we'll get on the road here okay. um, anyway. Uh, 
I just love how effortless it is to move off on the stock. I was talking about this in the video earlier, just just a couple of clicks. The mirrors drop automatically for you um, when moving off, which normally a mirror would drop if you were just reversing into space and it would be in the left hand side, but it was quite handy there on the on the corner. And then we've got the blind spot uh, cam as well, I indicate here. Yeah, you can, you can see the corner, which the Ionic 5 had before and then of course Tesla's like well we have the cameras so we'll just do the update. That's it. I think there's a little bit of talk, you know, that people would like to see this maybe move to the top and moved up a bit. Again something that we'll probably probably see happen but definitely very handy. As as an owner do you see uh, people saying well such such has this feature, can you bake it into the software and then Tesla Absolutely so things like the, the dash cam system, you know that, that was a tweet from memory, you know some some of the Owners uh, tweeted Musk and said, "You know, we've got all these cameras on board. Can they not be recording?" So mm -hmm. that, that was added. And dog mode. You know, if, if you're a dog owner and you want your car uh, kept a certain temperature, you know, when your dog's there, that's all there. So all, all these things, uh, uh, certainly a lot of them, are thought up by uh, owners and Tesla ads. And then some strange things I would have to say. You know, you've got all they're known for all the toy box stuff and the fart mode and all the rest of it. Yeah. Whereas um, waypoints have only just been added this year. You know, after being requested for a long, long time, it only so, so uh, you add, add stops on the on the exactly, sat -nav, yeah. yeah. You could you could only just put one destination in uh, up until recently. Now um, you, you can now add waypoints. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> what are you doing? Well, they're going down the drive. 10.56, get a move on. Church starts at 11, <laughs> keep her lit. Okay. So, we were talking earlier on uh, about the people's perceptions of Tesla, and, and certainly I, I felt this when, just before I was getting the car, I was like, oh, Tesla, and I've driven the Mach-E and the Ionic 5 and all the rest, and, and then and back into petrol cars, and uh, there is this sort of impression that uh, Teslas are all are all hype, but I know driving this straight away, and you have the, you've had one for two years. They actually they actually drive really well. They do. You know, I'm a reformed petrol head or whatever the, the phrase is. You know, I, I had a couple of Subarus, um, an, an, an E46 M3. So love my cars. You know, um, but I think this is the car that that gives you the closest thing maybe to. A, a petrol heads version of an electric car. They, uh, it's got the excitement, the handling. You know, it, it, okay, it, it doesn't have the noise. I think is what we mentioned earlier that, that that's the thing. Maybe it's always going to be missing in an EV. Um, but maybe maybe we're the last generation that's going to miss that. Yeah, I, I think it actually handles and drives really well, considering the fact everything's electric, electric power steering, and all the rest, which. Yeah. You know, there's only so much feedback that they can give. The steering wheel is, is actually quite um, thick and chunky, but I don't really care because it's heated at yeah. the moment. <laughs> but um, this car actually doesn't weigh as much as I expected. So the standard range plus only weighs about 1650 kilos, something like that. Yeah, so my car was around 1640, 1650, which is almost identical to a 911 Turbo. Mm -hmm. Not known for being a particularly heavy car. I think modern cars in general are heavier, obviously, but you know, you can have a, a Model 3 that, that's well under two tonnes. Um, yes, the, this is the bigger battery car, um, so it is a, a bit... It's about, about 1850 kilos. Yeah, I think about 150 kilos difference maybe in the big battery cars. Um, 
but it doesn't feel like it, you know. And I don't know whether the weight has anything to do with it, but I don't think there are many cars that can put down the power like these cars can. No, the, the way that the car can just deploy the, the traction it has, traction, yeah. even even on a greasy road or a wet road, it never it never seems to squirm. It. It's yeah. it's uh, it's that electronic. Uh, traction control, you know, or torque vectoring, or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's always going to be quicker than a mechanical system, and it just seems otherworldly whenever you hit the power on a greasy road. I don't think in an internal combustion engine you can get that exact level of power control at every wheel. They can do it, but it's sort of artificially done with yeah. braking and stuff like that, you know. Exactly. You know, the, whereas they're trying to hold the engine back, whereas the electric motors they can just decide exactly what to give it yep. up front and it's yeah. uh, it's immense it's by far uh, and even out of the all the dual motor electric cars I've been driving have had great traction anyway but this by far just trumps them all for the ability to just deploy most of the power most, most of the time yeah. and I think if you have two sort of identical this is about 450 horse if you had a new M3 or something like that or even a four wheel drive one this 99 times out of 100 is going to get off the line exactly the same whereas yeah. you're just not going to have that level of consistency even with the most complex tra- uh, launch control system exactly. and all the rest plus yeah. plus this thing doesn't even need launch control you just get into it yeah. and you, you put the, the foot into the carpet and uh, and you're gone exactly yeah it's a good point you make you know uh, uh, not the 60 time in a mechanical vehicle uh, an ice vehicle Especially one with maybe with the manual gear change, you know, you're going to be pretty good if you can get that figure every time. Whereas in this car, as you say, it's totally consistent. Yeah, it's it's easy, it's simple. You know, people talk about it being a great daily um, because it can do all these things. You know, um, if you're lucky enough to have a weekend car or a track car, not many people are, I guess. But uh, I'm sure the roads, even you know, to to drive quickly on a road today is antisocial or near impossible with traffic or whatever anyway well, so. do you know what it is a wee bit of a problem because these things are ballistic you know yeah. there's two or three cars in front of us at the moment we're doing 40 miles an hour you know, if I if I saw a quarter of a mile gap yeah. you could just you could just whap past them and you would be well on the wrong side of the of the speed limit yeah. and it wouldn't really feel like anything yeah. you know the, the, the performance is, is explosive it's that it's that switch of torque just explode you at, at uh, you know the, the sort of overtaking range 30 to 70 or 30 to 80 or something yep. like that it's just um, I remember the first the first EV you drove was 2013 uh, whenever the i3 came out and I went to Bavarian and, and uh, had a test drive and that was the one thing that well, two things I came away with one was this thing about 100% of the torque from zero RPM Yep. You, know, you put your foot down I think that, that car was about a 7 second not a 60 in 2013 which was like a Mini Cooper or whatever at the mm-hmm. time you know it, it, it seemed pretty fast the other thing is the regen this whole one pedal driving thing where you, as you get off the, the throttle then the car uh, scoops up the energy and puts it back into the battery so you, you rarely touch the brakes now, the one pedal driving thing sounds so alien to someone who has, hasn't done it yeah. but it's it's so intuitive forgetting about the fact it's regen or anything like that see for just mod, modulating speed in, yeah. in traffic so these guys in front of us, okay, I could put the the uh, the autopilot on the adaptive cruise, and it would it would sit behind them at whatever distance. But just I'm slowing down, speeding up, and like you can get right down to near nearly zero, and then speed speed right up 
your 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 foot doesn't even have to move that much. You know, it, it's very easy. Depending on what your driving settings are, you can go right down to uh, zero. It'll actually come to a complete standstill. Um, or we can't can't change it. Maybe whenever we're uh, we're driving. But, yeah. Uh, I'm glad to have you here because this this screen has so many options let me talk about yeah. some of the options the screen has but yes so, so you're talking about the the level of uh, regen we have at the yes. moment so this, this stop, uh, stopping well you've got creep uh, and roll which are similar to an automatic car where as you lift off the the brake the car will start to move forward whereas hold was, was the one that looks like you've selected is the one that I liked as well whereas you come straight up to a red light for example you don't need to touch the brakes a car will uh, come to complete standstill you get a little grey icon up here with an H in it mm-hmm. and it's on hold and then you'll hit the bra- uh, gas and away you go again so mm-hmm. it's uh, very easy to drive in traffic yeah oh, it's uh, it's absolutely effortless yeah. in fact just the uh, the amount of thought process that has to go into, into driving an EV in general and the Tesla in particular it's just it just makes you know a commute you need a long commute or a long run to do something like that. It's just totally, uh, totally yeah. effortless. And the autopilot, funny enough, one of, one of the best things that it's, it's good at is in that stop-start traffic. You know, if you're, say, you're coming down the M1 in the, in the morning and you're bumper to bumper, you know, that sort of speeding up, slowing down uh, at a low speed, it handles really well. So we're out touring around the roads of uh, County Down here and we're just going to make our way across to um, Strangford. I don't know if we're going to get the ferry or not but we'll, we'll head that way anyway. Just following the uh, sat nav. I don't have the voice commands on because you'd be kind of annoyed by the uh, constant interruption although it probably mean I would let mean I would miss less junctions but uh, even even the mapping and all the rest it's, it's uh, very straightforward. I was sort of thought well there's no there's no Apple CarPlay. How how you get to survive? You know, a, a real first world problem. No Apple CarPlay, but uh, everything's so so intuitive. I haven't really thought or felt like I've missed it. It's got Spotify, TuneIn Radio, obviously Bluetooth streaming, and um, all that stuff. And then and then all the other stuff you just don't get. Other manufacturers don't put in. Um, quite surprised that there is uh, the web browser in there, which. You know, there doesn't seem to be much limitation on when you can use it. That, and then if you were sitting in traffic, yeah. reading the news in the web browser, you know, how how is uh, the 5.0 gonna <laughs> gonna uh, consider that? I think that's the road of someone's uh, driveway. So it really seems to me, even the the fact that you can put on the cameras while you're driving as well. You know, when when does this uh, this huge screen become? Uh, a distraction obviously you can't have uh, it does have Netflix and YouTube but you can't turn that on um, yeah when you're driving. stopped yeah but everything else it seems like you can lots you can yeah it does seem quite unusual you know that that reversing camera that you mentioned you know that that is that is unusual I don't know any other manufacturers where you can display it you stick it on there we can the reversing camera if you had the three yeah. dots there and you should get the dash cam or something is it or camera there you go yeah so we can see the uh, is it a Toyota behind us but which is yeah so the the view at the back of this isn't wonderful and it's even poorer I think in the Model Y so maybe there is a reason for it but yeah distracted driving is a bit of a thing but it always sort of fascinated me where you know quite often you have your your phone up on a 
a holder on the windscreen and you're not allowed to touch that screen but you are allowed to touch this screen or you know the touch screen in your BMW or whatever it is you know it seems quite inconsistent the, the rules yeah the voice commands have certainly got a lot better in the car you know you've got to touch and look down here to change the temperature for example but if you just hold your right scroll wheel down and say set temperature to 22 degrees whatever that, that should work you, hold, you press it in yes. and it gives you voice control I haven't tried that yet yeah just press and hold and it'll beep and then say set temperature to 22 degrees Turn off heated steering wheel. Steering wheel disabled. Done. So that that's that's got better. You know that started out pretty poor, I would say, but every software iteration that improves. Um, so that that's probably a good answer if, if if that can expand even further. You know, you can do more and more there, and less and less have to look down. But I mean, you see other cars at the minute. Um, we drove the. Uh, EV6, a key EV6 lately, and it had a panel, um, like a touch panel. Yes. Um, but it's no better than a touch screen. Similar to the Ionic 5, yes, it's, it's haptic rather than yes. physical buttons, yeah. You still have to look down to see what's what. In fact, the EV6, that panel does a uh, dual rule, mm -hmm. so there, you, you have to press a button and the knob changes from a volume to the heater control, so, uh, you know, it, it is an issue with modern cars. and. I also think that um, some people sometimes get into this car and look at it and think they're getting less value somehow than a BM or an Audi or you know some more traditional mm -hmm. interiors because it doesn't have loads of buttons. It seems like you're getting short chains maybe, but having driven this for a couple of years and then get into some of the, the more modern EVs with buttons everywhere, it's, it's nearly a shock going the other way now, you know, yeah. well, because this is so simple. The dash aesthetic of being so clean is uh, fantastic. And in fact, uh, as we're threading our way down this this back road, uh, a couple of things worth pointing out. First of all, that uh, I still had some quite tight corners to deal with, and I've just been one pedal driving the whole time. It's just it feels weird when you actually have to go for the brakes. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. it's so handy. It's so natural. Yeah, we we're talking to someone down in Dublin. There, we went down to see them all the way. Um, and he was telling us that they have a, a Model S um, in Dublin with uh, the original brake pads in it with 300,000 kilometres on it. Because of the re regen braking? Because of the regen. Yeah, yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, does if I lift off the pedal completely, depending on what mode this on, is the car applying uh, the, the pad brakes as well? I, I don't think it will unless it's absolutely necessary. Something like our Leaf at home, it does. It's quite inconsistent. The leaf, the leaf's got a really funny brake pedal because it feels like the first half of the brake pedal is regen, and then the second half is the friction brakes, mm -hmm. um, and it gives you this really inconsistent step in the braking. But you, do, you don't get that here. No. Um, so I would guess completely, maybe, it's completely you know, seamless. Yeah, yeah. Not unless you're down to the very single-digit mile per hour. Maybe at the end, then the friction brakes come in. And here, look, here's the argument about buttons as well. So. Um, a lot of electric cars have flappy paddles, which is used to set the regen level, like the uh, the Ionic 5 had yep. that. Um, but I haven't looked near the screen here, and I haven't felt like... It feels like the system is more intelligent than the Tesla, that it's it's doing the thinking for me. Now, I don't know if maybe I need to set a level, but uh, certainly uh, it's one less thing I've had to think about. Yeah, I think the... the Drove both the, the Ionic 5 and EV6 as well, and in both cars I just set the, the regen to max and left it there. Um, I think Here, here's a junction, by the way, I'm, I haven't touched the brakes at all, and it's taken me right to a standstill. In fact, I don't need to come to a standstill, and it's just it's just so easy just to roll back onto the power and uh, 
Yeah, it's effortless. Absolutely effortless. You're you're playing with the regen level by lifting off the brake, and your muscle memory soon gets used to that. You know, so yep. if you want to brake more, you, you get off the gas more. If yes. you want to to brake less, obviously you lift off less. So somebody described it as a lawnmower to me. If you if you used to figure out oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a bit like right that. on lawnmower with the it's hydrostatic a, yeah. Uh, pedal. Yeah, it's a hell of a lawnmower, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Well, here a lawnmower is a step up from a milk float. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. So. Uh, Okay, so the other thing we're going to be talking about today as well, so if you're watching the video and want to know about more about the Model 3, keep watching, but um, March part of the EVA and I am going to talk about that uh, separately and record that as part of the Sold to Scene podcast, so if you're interested, and we're going to talk about charging infrastructure and the amount of electric cars in Northern Ireland and where you can get them and the issues people are having like like the fact that there's no supercharger network for uh, Tesla in Northern Ireland so that, um, and even the state of the grid and um, that side of things so if you're interested in that take a look on the Soul to Scene um, podcast but back back to this car and it really is running an A road now and the roads, roads opened up and um, I, f- I find the car fairly comfortable to drive. I do, I do hear suspension noise, so the road's been ripped to pieces here. They've been laying uh, pipes or whatever else. You can f- you can feel the suspension is a wee bit noisy, and I think that's just that. They can't get away from that. I had this in my, my I had a six series BM and had a bit of suspension noise yep. that tried to dump out. But I think that that's a weight thing. But I'm still surprised that this car is still two or three hundred kilos lighter than the uh, SUVs like the um, the Mach-E and all the rest the this front windscreen is fabulous, it's like sitting in a van yeah. because it's so, the rake of the screen, you can't really see much of the front of the car but I can see all the road around me, it just, it makes picking up the curbs and all the rest absolutely um, yeah, so, it's so low, easy to do low bonnet and low dash as well um, and no binnacle behind your, your uh, steering wheel so the visibility out of the front of the Model 3 is fantastic and look at that it's like just this list nipping between the junctions that's the first time I've had to touch the brakes there because I did I did gun on the wee bit and uh, and it wasn't more than maybe half half the pedal travel did it get up to the speed limit it's it's um, just absolutely uh, effortless great space in these cars as well the great use of space yep so I guess the packaging, you know, a proper ground-up EV, you know, not, not something that's been converted from a, a, a nice platform, you know, so uh, everything's pushed that way and that way. You know there's great space under the bonnet there as well, which, I mean, if you look at uh, a mock E out uh, the, the other day um, and, and you lift the bonnet net and it's full of gubbins, you know, there's, yeah. there's no room under there because it's a, a platform for a, a piston uh, vehicle as well the, 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 the platform share thing doesn't really work because no. you can repackage the car so much yep so this skateboard like all modern EVs batteries in the floor um, the motors are incredibly small you've probably seen them you know for the power that they have they're, they're amazingly small I think the frunk's slightly uh, less deep maybe in this car than mine I think my car was rear wheel drive with a standard range plus um, no front motor so it had a little bit more the, the motors they're like what, size of a football or something like that you talk about a melon yeah like a melon? big watermelon sort of you know and that's that, unbelievable that sort of size but yeah and it's, it's one per axle yes so in this car one per axle yeah my car was rear only yeah. and the, the standard range plus 
as we say, it was about 1,650 kilos, 1,640, 1,650, so it wasn't really... I think, actually, the Volvo in the same class is, is a few kilos heavier, mm-hmm. you know, and it's only maybe 50 kilos off a, a, a C-class or a 3 Series. There's the, uh, that camera coming on again. It's just very, very useful. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so the, the power distribution is interesting, uh, as well, um, there is a track mode on this car, and you can uh, just go into the turn the track mode on and select where you want all the drive to go. So you can make that 100% rear wheel drive, and uh, the car will the car will slide about and move about and uh, be a lot more dynamic than uh, the people might expect as well. Like it is actually quite fun to drive. Yeah, you have a GT4, and you know one of the ultimate sports cars out there you know and you're spoiled but for most people I am spoiled you are spoiled for most people <laughs> if, if they thought they you know they could take us out on a Sunday for a drive they would love it I think you'd agree yeah absolutely and and I think that people are people who haven't been in an EV before are actually surprised they're expecting the Tesla to be shoddily built and stuff like that we're talking about these, these iterative changes Tesla yeah. have taken that on board and uh, they've and these are the Chinese built cars they seem from a panel gap perspective and that sort of you know improvement yeah improve, yeah. you know uh, to the to the point where I don't care you know it, it, it has you know that it's there's nothing negative I could say about the build quality or the feel of the car or the feel of the materials feels premium enough to yep. justify that 60 grand uh, price it's very comfortable yeah seating and the seating position's great and you know all the basic sort of Things I get into this car, do I feel comfortable? That you know, yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. And in short order, it's a sign I think of a good car. You can get in and feel comfortable to drive it com- confidently. Yes. You know, I think they are having a bit of trouble shaking that uh, the early days problems that they had on build quality. Um, <clears throat> my car was twenty nineteen. It was the first of uh, the UK deliveries, um, and it had a little bit of panel gap alignment probably around the the, the front um, the headlight but around the, the frog face was yeah, slightly uh, <laughs> yeah. squinty <though. laughs> yeah but no in, in general I mean I didn't have any bother with the car um, I, I found it very reliable maintenance is, n- is non-existent I mean there's no servicing in that two and a half years um, so the running costs are, are next to nothing yeah. I worked out there 8,000 miles uh, say 8,000 miles a year which is about average I think in Northern Ireland um, I'm paying about 7.8p overnight uh, rate on Economy 7 for charging mm-hmm. at home. Uh, um, that's a fixed rate that goes in July and things have gone up. But even if you look at today, you can get at 11 or 12p at night at the moment. And even at that rate, you're talking about 275 quid for your entire year of over 8,000 miles. For 8,000 miles, that's yeah. just, you know, that is fantastic. You know, if, and if uh, you can be, that's where the calculations we start to compare it to diesel and, yeah. and all the rest. And uh, we'll maybe talk more in the podcast about how the whole salary sacrifice <clears throat> part of those sorts of things that that makes a massive difference in, yeah. in because uh, these are expensive cars. Let's let's uh, not beat about the bush, they're all you know starting at 35 40 grand, yeah. which you know it's a lot of money in anyone's book, you know, it's a lot of money to outlay, but part of the reason I know second hand cars in general are, are, are uh, very valuable at the moment but I sold mine in October because prices were so strong um, and you know it cost me well under 200 quid a month to own 
um, but you know by the time I was out of it, um, so yes, they are expensive to buy, but they're also sought after, and, and uh, yeah, they're, they're holding their price extraordinarily well. That's fascinating. Where, where, if people are interested in EV ownership and want to know more about EVA and I, where can they find you guys, Mark? So it's EVA and I dot UK. Um, we're also on Facebook. We have a pretty active Facebook group, um, and we're on Twitter as well. Excellent. And hopefully, you guys can give the executive the well-needed kick up the arse. Yeah, well, we certainly encourage anyone who's thinking of an EV or, or has an EV to uh, write to their MLA particularly. Um, there's a website, I think it's writetothem.com, which mm-hmm. allows you to, to uh, put your postcode in. It'll show you your four or five MLAs and, and you can do tick a few boxes and send the same email off You know, within a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, MLAs are contacting us. They are genuinely interested. They're seeing this as a, a growing uh, concern for, for their constituents. So there's definitely a lot of interest there. The whole green issues and COP26 and all these things are, are definitely uh, making the headlines. So um, it, it's the best thing we can do at the moment just to keep the pressure on and uh, we're certainly trying our best. It's not, not, not always rewarding but uh, you know we, we are working really hard. We're a group of volunteers um, and we're always looking for help if you're out there and you have uh, some spare time or even a semi-retired person or whatever who would like to attend some events for us because we quite often get asked to events that we can't attend because they're, they're, they're doing business hours and we're all working. Um, but uh, yeah, just just go to the website evani.uk or drop us an email at hello at evani.uk and uh, we'll be in touch. Excellent, excellent. Well, look, thanks very much for uh, coming out for a day's driving around the Ards Peninsula, no and the and the Model Three was, was good fun to do it in. Very enjoyable. Um, if you wanted to ask any more questions to the podcast, you get us at pod at rmsmotoring.com or on the socials at rmsmotoring. And remember, there's no warranty. This was sold to sing.